Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I don't believe in sportsmanship or class. I want coach fights. Let's get these two middle-aged millionaires to brawl on the field. That is what I'm looking for. SI's Russ Dellinger. He was so amped up and sitting on go, knowing that he was going to be asked about it. No matter what, he didn't hear her first part of her question or last part of her question, and he just pushed torpedo launch, and he just went in it, man. And SI's Pat Forty. Oklahoma's a disaster. I mean, they gave up 27 points in the first quarter to TCU. Brent Vendel's supposed to come in and fix the defense? Oh, they're worse. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I welcome the pod. Huge week five. Huge. I only went three and three on my picks. <laughs> I got a few picks wrong. I did far better than that. You did far better, but, I mean, it was some swing game. First off, Arkansas had plenty of chances to cover. Oh, I know. They did. I, I thought it was going to get the backdoor cover there. Come yeah. on, man. Come on, man. Uh, Coach Pippen. That was my only you. miss. Come we on, We love you here on the pod, and we do not want our relationship to change because <laughs> Woo pig. Thought old man. Whatever. But here is the prediction I had correct. No cider mill. No apple picking. <laughs> this is a college football. This is a college football week for college football fans. Yes. Because if you look at it, all the top teams still won. Nothing really happened. Eh, it was kind of close. Georgia almost lost. It's all the other crap. <laughs> it's all the other crap. Yeah. This is why you can't be signed up to go to the cider mill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get duck. We'll get the donuts and feed them to the ducks. Uh, no, 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 no. I got to watch this. Why do you care about Ole Miss and Kentucky? You don't understand. You got to watch it all. Why do you, Kansas? Why are you watching Kansas? You don't understand. I can't be feeding donuts to the ducks. Not today. It's not an apple yeah. picking weekend. It's not. No. The, this is a week to watch football. Anything could happen. Everything did. It was total mayhem outside of all the parts of the football that actually matter, like who's going to win the national title. Absolute brilliance. Yeah, I, the, I will uh, start with the Georgia, though. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll, let's talk briefly with some of the top contenders. Yep. After I say all that. Two straight weeks, Georgia's just screwing around. Almost, you know, Kent State 
you figure, okay, it's Kent State. We don't care. Eh, you know, big week out at the bars. Good time to cash in on being part of the national champions. <laughs> uh, you figure Kirby goes 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 uh, ballistic all week. It's an SEC road game at Missouri. Come up, they don't play well. I mean, they are getting pushed around at times by Missouri. Mizzou technically had a chance to win, but then they remembered they were Missouri <laughs> and uh, fell <laughs> apart. So Georgia wins. They 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 dominate on the ground late. Sets a Bennett plays a little bit better. Who whatever. Concerns, though. Is there a concern here? Not so much they're not trying, but maybe that that Oregon onslaught was more the aberration than the rule when it comes to Georgia this year. Is there a, you know, is there a softness in this Bulldog team? Because they can get away with it against Kent State and Mizzou, but they might not against Kentucky and Florida and whatever's coming out of the SEC West. Ross, what do you think? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that maybe the the season opener was was uh like as you said maybe maybe we just got a little fooled by by the forty nine to three game, yeah. Maybe that's possible. I mean, you look at to me, it's it's the defense, right? We're so used to Georgia's defense just <laughs> shutting out folks or just not allowing very many points at all. And they've allowed 44 points to combine the last two games to Missouri and Kent State. Uh, that's the most they had allowed in like the previous four games combined, going back to last year, I believe. I mean, there was a stretch last year's defense, you know, where they allowed like, uh, you know, two touchdowns in like eight games or something. So it, it's defensively that you kind of scratch your head. And Missouri did have to settle for a bunch of field goals. So. Uh, Georgia's defense stepped up in the red zone, but Missouri was able to move the ball up and down the field, and that's just shocking. It's just something you don't see a lot with Georgia. I mean, Missouri only had 300 yards of offense, but it sure seemed like more. They they were able to consistently move the ball, and and um, and Kent State was kind of the same. So that that's been the weird part is the Georgia defense we saw last year. I know they lost a lot of people to the NFL, but um, kind of got head scratching for sure. Yeah, I think. Um... They just they've gotten sloppy. And I, I, I think, first of all, the, the start to me was more than just annihilating Oregon. It was also annihilating South Carolina on the road when South Carolina was feeling pretty good about itself. So I, I, I thought they were legitimately extremely good for three weeks. And then they've been extremely sloppy for two weeks. They've been minus two turnover margin each of the last two games. And yeah, the, their offensive line, I thought just had a very hard time with Missouri. Missouri played with its hair on fire. I mean, they played really hard, and they blitzed the hell out of Stetson Bennett. And for the most part, I thought Stetson handled it okay. It was more that the offensive line didn't handle it very well. So uh, there's certainly some areas that you look at and say, okay, a team with a better quarterback than Missouri's could maybe take some, exploit a few more things, and a team that can find ways to rush the passer as well or better than Missouri, could exploit some things. So, I mean, Georgia doesn't look like they are head and shoulders the best team in the country anymore like they did for three weeks, in my opinion. Is it, This is a common theme, O-line, right? O-line issues. Look at Alabama, right? That, that's that been yeah. their bugaboo. We saw that in, in a couple of games. And uh, even the game I was at, Ole Miss-Kentucky, like Kentucky's offensive line was just awful. Uh, so the, yeah. the O-line is an issue for some of the top teams for sure. Well, we'll get to Alabama. Bryce Young 
any, you know, we'll get more updates. It seems like it was a sprained shoulder. Who knows what that means? Right. That seems like a huge variant. Don't ask Nick about on, it. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the kids that played. It, well, that, it, did y'all see after that game? She asked it. She asked, She was asking her. She framed the question oddly, but she said, despite Bryce Young's injury, you know, blah, 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 the rest of the team. And he was so amped up and sitting on go, knowing that he was going to be asked about it. No matter what, he didn't hear her first part of her question or last part of her question. And he just pushed torpedo launch, and he just went <laughs> in it, man. He was so ready to go, and then it's almost like the poor. I felt so fo- sorry for her because he. It didn't matter what she was asking. He oh, did yeah. well. It, man. She did well. She did do yeah. well. She, she did yeah. do well. Yeah, she did do well. She goes, all right. Let's talk about the other yeah. guy. Um, Jeez, your Heisman Trophy winning superstar quarterback <laughs> heard his. It was a kind of a part of the game. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh my but that, God. yeah, that's classic Saban. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's smart mm-hmm. enough, to obviously, to know what's coming, but he's just going to take it and turn it exactly the way he wants to go with it. And you know, he's he's ticked off because his star quarterback's hurt. Yeah, so. he is. Uh, and I don't know who's harder to interview, either after or during the game, Saban or Greg Popovich. Popovich is famous <laughs> for the Popovich. It's a game. Like he tries to just mess right. with the people. So it's almost like a. It's there's not a meanness to it, right? Right. But it'll just be like, right. what do you got to do better in the second quarter? Score, defend, <laughs> rebound. You know, it's just like, okay. Why? He just thinks the purpose of this is stupid. Saban right. comes with the anger. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. I feel bad for that because it's like nightmare. You don't want to be that. I don't know who the reporter was, and I'm not even going to bring, bring her up. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up because it's like, you're just waiting for that viral moment where you get screamed at by this maniac. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you know, I'm not a 19 year old red shirt freshman. I'm like a professional here. I'm the woman assigned by ESPN. Yeah. Or CBS. Like, like I'm it, just asking. I have to ask three questions after the game. That's it. You know the deal. Like, what are you? What are you yelling at me for, man? Yeah. Like, sorry, I didn't bring it up in the second question, not the first question. Like, whatever. And, anyway. and she did handle it well because she fired back at him. Well, yeah. Let's talk about the rest of the team. So let's and, talk about it. You know, and he kind of was almost caught off guard. He he ended up reeling off. Some things, but yeah, man, he was he was sitting on go no matter what she asked. She he was ready to put rocket yeah. launch, and he did. <laughs> How much trouble are they if Bryce Young is not healthy for a, a stretch? Now they got this what was once the biggest game ever yeah. against Texas A and M this weekend. That now College Game Day isn't even going to. What were the preseason odds that College Game Day would not be in Tuscaloosa for the Texas A and M Alabama game? And not only not be in Tuscaloosa, but be in Lawrence, yeah, Kansas. Yeah, be in Lawrence, Kansas. We'll get to that, that tells you, again, why college football is the greatest. 10, yes, it's come on. 10,000 to 1. Yeah. Maybe more. You have to watch it all. You have to yes. watch it all. And you're like, why Why are you watching Kansas beat Iowa State 14 to freaking 11? Because it's like, because this is awesome. <laughs> if you don't know, you don't know. See, you're picking apples, you're missing out. <laughs> Can't be doing it. Pumpkin patch? No. The Apple Orchard Association is now uh, on the the, the latest (laughs) crap list that I'm on. They're all mad. They're going to be all mad at me. (laughs) Apple picking is a family activity dating back to the 1700s. (laughs) I'm like, no. (laughs) Go on Sunday, not on Saturday. Yeah. 
yeah. Anyway, Bryce Young needs to get back. Kids are really, really good. But Alabama, we'll see. It's a big game uh, yeah. next week anyway. So, I mean, I, I was I was impressed that Alabama reasserted itself. You're up like 28 nothing or 28-7. I don't remember what it was. And then it gets back to 28-23. And, the you know, the pig fans are going crazy and your quarterback is hurt. And it's like, oh, they were wobbling a little bit. But then they, they absolutely turned it on. I mean, big play after big play after big play offensively. And I'm wondering where the back end speed is for Arkansas because it's like 70 yards, 70 yards, 70 yards. Uh, but that was an impressive response. I think that for that, Saban's got to be happy about that. But yes, clearly you you need your Heisman Trophy quarterback back sooner than later playing in the SEC. I think yeah. that that game was like you you saw where there's still a couple recruiting classes away, Arkansas. Like yeah, you know right? It's like they're still getting the the, the depths. Go ahead, Ross. And it's the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, we 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 talk about you know Nick Saban's teams quite a bit. Uh, in the fourth quarter, and uh, you hear a lot. You know, I think it was Saban who, back when he was at LSU, started the the uh, original fourth quarter program winter workouts with Tommy Moffat, and that was always the focus in every game. It's Nick Saban in, in the fourth quarter when he has a lead there, they don't give it up, and and that's exactly what we we saw. But give it up for Jameer Gibbs, Alabama running back, over 200 yards, yeah. had a big had a big touchdown run, I think late, you know, in that in that game, and kind of took over when. His quarterback was out, but it, it doesn't sound like a real serious injury. I mean, Saban made it sound like Bryce Young has had this injury before and recovered pretty quickly. So, but it's not like they need him. I mean, honestly, they don't need him against AM. I mean, I, I don't think they need him against AM. A&M. <laughs> I mean, no, I think they can win the I, game without you him. Could, you could go single wing probably and outscore <laughs> AM at this point. Their offense is so dysfunctional. Well, it's It's amazing how bad it is. Yeah, when they need him is when they go to Knoxville, October fifteenth. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, got to kind of got to. That offense is not dysfunctional. That offense is is been pretty impressive, and yeah, that'll be a big one. DJ Ungalale is playing now, like we thought he might play last year. Mm-hmm. Super impressed in their victory over NC State. That was a hyped game. NC State came out and threw some punches. Like credit to credit to the Wolfpack program. It was uh, I wrote a column. Is this the biggest game in program history? It kind of was amazing stat on NC State. They're never bad. They're never great in the history of the entire program. They have one 10 win season. <laughs> 2002, wow. one 10 win season. Yeah. Motto, baby. Yet they're tw- like 38 games above 500. Like yeah. they've been to a bowl 11 of the last 14 years. Like they're always seven and five, eight and four. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a big game. They played pretty well, but uh, I thought uh, Ungole was the difference. Him on the read option is, jeez, he's good. Yeah. He's getting better. He's getting better. He's an improving runner. There's still times he's so mechanical. You know, he doesn't uh, move right especially decision. well. I don't he's know, so big, man. He tore him. He is he's big. big. He's big. He's lumbering. That last. He's, when he runs, he's lumbering. Yeah. Does yep. his play, improving play, Change thoughts on what Clemson's capable of this year? Yes, I think. I, 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 I mean, I've I've been impressed the last couple of weeks because those are big games against good teams, Wake Forest and NC State, and he stepped up and Clemson stepped up. They are not a dominant team. This is still is not like 2018 Clemson by any stretch, but are they good enough to run the table? Yes, I think they are. 
Uh, there will be some tough games remaining, so, you know, some tricky ones at Florida State October 15th. They're at Notre Dame November 5th, but they can. They, you know, they, they, they're one of those teams that just can line up, I think, and find ways to win every single week, and DJ is a big part of that. So I, I look at Clemson, and, and I like their path <laughs> towards playoff contention for sure. Yeah, I, for, I, I agree. And uh, remember last year, I mean, I think part of the struggles last year was, you know, he wasn't more involved on the ground. You know, he didn't have that threat. And that that's what, uh, that's one of, one of the big things he brings. And you, you need to have that threat when you have somebody like that back there. And now, now clearly they're getting in the ball. I mean, I, you know, I think he had 14 carries, 70 yards rushing. I don't know how many of the 14 were scrambles, but he probably had at least seemed like eight to 10 called runs, design runs. So they're certainly trying to get them involved. And that's a game changer. TCU, Sonny Dykes, 4-0. and They didn't just beat Oklahoma. They just dominated Oklahoma. 55-24, 668 yards. Unbelievable. Running game, almost nine a carry. Max Duggan, 302 yards passing. He also busted out a 67-yard TD run. Kendra Miller had a long run over 60 yards. Absolutely dominant. I think when you lose Gary Patterson, who remains one of the best coaches I've ever seen and one of the most influential figures in a single school you could possibly have because without Gary Patterson, TCU is in whatever, Mountain West still. Yeah. Gary Patterson got the boosters excited to raise $100 million and build that nice little stadium. Everything, TCU is where it is because Gary, but if they get rid of them, they're, seven, you know, what are they, five and seven last year, and, 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 you know, they fade out, and Dykes comes in, and holy cow, this team is is good, uh, and they're heading up to Kansas for the, for the game day. I know it's going to be a lot of hype on how Kansas is this great story, and it is, but this is also a good showcase for TCU. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was there in August and they definitely felt like they had a good team. Although the hilarious thing, this is, you know, how uh, coaches do. They're like, yeah, we don't know who's going to start. You know, we, we, we might play three quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, really? you got a guy who's number one in the nation right now in pass efficiency <laughs> and looks like a Heisman Trophy candidate. Max Duggan was always going to be the quarterback and he's been fantastic. And that's even without the, the big run he had. Uh, and was over 100 yards rushing. But they, they uh, the, the vibe in general was like, look, yeah, we all love Gary Patterson here. We wish we had been able to transition a little more gracefully, but it was time for a breath of fresh air. And they got it, and now Sonny Dykes has come in and cranked up that offense. Holy moly. Uh, and they've got good players. That's the thing. They felt like they really had underachieved last year and, and in some previous years uh, – and that's so that was part of the frustrations. Like, let's just get these guys cranked up, coached up, and and unleash them. And look what's happening here. And then on the flip side of it, Oklahoma's a disaster. I mean, they gave up 27 points in the first quarter to TCU. Brent Venables is supposed to come in and fix the defense. Oh, they're worse. It's actually worse than it was in the Lincoln Riley days. The, the Oklahoma fans are going to have a hard time spinning this one, other than just blaming Lincoln Riley. Let's get to that. Speaking of, well, speaking of Lincoln Riley, Garrett Riley, by the way, quarterbacks coach for TCU, Lincoln's uh, Lincoln's uh, brother, uh, and uh, his yeah. quarterbacks coach for TCU put up all those points on his brother's oh, yeah. former team. 
wonder if there was a there was a brother or a brother. Uh, also, y'all have have y'all seen a picture of Garrett Riley? Google Garrett Riley, and uh, he is spitting image of Brother Lincoln. It's scary. I mean, they look like twins, man. I don't know what their separation in age is, but it's uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, that's the same person. <laughs> oh, wait, there's a picture. There's a picture of the two of them together. Oh wow! Oh, oh, they nice. do look. I mean, it's they, yeah. look, they look. Yeah, holy moly! Yeah. Well, one's a little taller. Yeah, but Lincoln's a little taller. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. What what alarm fire is this at Oklahoma? We talked before the season a lot about you don't know if a guy can coach until he coaches, and we talked a couple weeks ago about Marcus Freeman. It's like he's grow going to have to grow into this job. Clearly, this seems worse than even that. I don't know. Hard to say, but like you're just getting doors blown off by TCU's offense and you're supposed to be the defensive coach. Yeah. Yeah, there I mean, was a lot of bad. Que- there's a lot of questions, right? Uh Pat, remember didn't he uh Ted Roof uh, he hired as uh yeah. as defensive coordinator. I remember when when that hire was made, there was there was a lot of uh hmm, you know, uh scratching of the head. So, I don't know what's going to happen there, something to monitor, but I'm sure Venables has his fingerprints all over the defense. So, um, you would think it would be him, but it it is it's shocking what's happened there. Uh, I know they lost a lot of players to the portal, coaching change, all that stuff, and you know, but but uh, I don't know. I, I you know Alex Grinch had kind of built that defense up, it seemed like, and they were improving, but to give up what they got, they gave up against TCU is is inexcusable. Three hundred yard passer. Two 100-yard rushers, an 100-yard receiver. Yeah, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's concerned. Yeah, we'll see. It's early. It is what it is. They got Red River. You win that. It always helps either yeah. Texas or Oklahoma in that program, you know, the fan base to feel a little better. But this was certainly not uh, not fun for Oklahoma fans, especially as they watch what's uh, going on at USC. Yeah, people were are not happy with Ted Roof. Brent Venables is the defensive yeah. guy there. Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, this is his defense. Uh, he, he, shove, shoveling this off on on Ted Roof by the fans is like, well, we're not ready to admit that Brent Venables isn't doing a good job because we can't admit that. Side, we're, we've talked a lot of Kansas, uh, and it's a great story, but they won 14 to 11 Rock over chalk. Iowa State. Rock chalk, great stuff, but let's not get too carried away. That was... <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Wetzel. Wetzel's Boo. even harder to harder to please, harder Boo. to impress than game day. I built which... the bandwagon early. I, was, I built the bandwagon at KU, but let's. Well, great, you get... beat Iowa State. I'm not spending 20 minutes talking about beating Iowa State. They've sucked since we found out that the Ames Iowa a water song is not true. <laughs> it hasn't been the same. It hasn't yeah, been the same. We 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 pretty well blew up the program. Well, kind of did. Kind of the recruits mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'll go to Kia Cuck Community College. They have better water. Uh, how about this program that never gets its hype in the state of Oklahoma is Oklahoma State. They go roll yep. into Baylor, and they're just more dominant. And there's a really interesting quote from Dave Aranda, the Baylor coach, after he says this team's – he just thinks Oklahoma State's more confident and just prepared and just like just, just everything about the program is running so well. So it is a really nice time to be a, a, a cowboy. Because oh boy, you're rolling, you're looking good. You could win this league, and uh, uh, your buddies that are trying to bail on Bedlam or are bailing on Bedlam are just stumbling about, uh, drunk down in Norman. 
So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the no, script it's... has flipped. The mullet uh, is the pat paragon of consistency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. I, I thought they were the best team in the conference coming into the season, and so far, so good. I mean, they've only played one conference game, but go to Waco and win and pretty well dominate the game. I mean, they controlled it, at least. They, they, they had that game. They led the whole way and were pretty well in charge. Uh, Spencer Sanders is playing great quarterback there. He was so bad in that Big 12 championship game, and since then he's just been really good at the Fiesta Bowl and then uh, starting this season. Baylor gives him a, some, some difficulties, but that's a good team, good offense, and I think ultimately could prove to be the best team in the Big 12. You know, and, and the, the good thing about Oklahoma State is, you know, for years of, of Mike Gundy, maybe his first 10 years at the program, 12 years at the program, they, they had to ha- they had to score 40, 50 points a game to win. You know, they, 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 they relied on that offense. And lately, that's not been the case. Last year, they were one of the best defenses, arguably the best defense in the nation. And then this game is a good example of they didn't need some explosive offense. They got a safety, for one. Outside of the third quarter, they just they absolutely locked down the Bears uh, defensively. And they return a kickoff, ninety-eight yards for a for a touchdown. So they're they're doing it in a variety of ways. They're they're a more complete team the last two or three years than we've ever seen under Gundy. And um, I hate you know I, I, is this the year? Is is this the year they finally crack into the playoff? It it feels like it's heading that direction, especially with this crazy Big Twelve. Um, you know, where you've got everybody's kind of beating up on each other and that at the top of the league is Kansas and TCU. It just feels like maybe this is the Pokes year to to maybe crack into that uh, that top four. Uh, my favorite moment almost of the weekend came uh, late in the uh, Ohio State beatdown of uh, Rutgers. Ohio State's got the, they're going to punt fourth and short. Rutgers lines up pretty much everyone on one side, right side of their defense or left side of the Ohio State offensive line to try to run in and maybe block the punt. Eh, game's kind of out of control. I don't know. Jesse Murko, Ohio State's punter, well-coached, sees that it's wide open to the right, on his right. So he gets the ball. He's kind of a rugby-style kicker, I think. Rolls right, just keeps trucking. Kind of unsportsmanlike. I mean, you've beaten them by 39, but you can see where the, you know, kids told to do this. He gets trucking, gets out of bounds. Uh, after a large gain, he also could have slid or something like that. Didn't. Aaron uh, Crickshanks from uh, Rutgers comes running up and absolutely levels them out of bounds. <laughs> the next level of unsportsmanlike play. Both benches erupt. Greg Schiano and Ryan Day getting each other's faces, pointing, screaming at each other. They used to work together on Urban Meyer's staff. I was excited at the possibility of a, a scrap. This would not be a lightweight matchup. <laughs> Schiano, I think, is like 13, 14 years older, but I don't know. I wouldn't want to <laughs> tussle with that bear, I'll tell you that. Oh, I see the pictures. Wow, I had missed this. Yeah, they got into Ooh. it good. 
So I was very excited because it was like pretty much everything was unsportsmanlike. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the fans Ooh. yelled at each other for not being class. The other programs, like, no, oh, but you, got, you, you go. did this and you did that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. I loved it all. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Class. <laughs> Nobody loves all sportsmanlike conduct. I don't more than believe Wetzel. in sportsmanship or class. <laughs> I want coach fights. Let's get these two middle-aged millionaires to brawl on the field. That is what I'm looking for. So it's going great, but then they hug it out Ooh. after and say, oh, I was just defending my guys. Isn't it? Oh, come on. Right. And Ryan play. Day wasn't backing down. He, he like, got separated, and then he went back at him. But the finger, Ryan Day's finger came within, like, one foot of Greg Schiano's nose. Mm -hmm. Again, like, Schiano, 56 years old, I see here. I wouldn't want to mess with him. I though. don't care. No, I wouldn't want to mess with him. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's got, uh -huh. he's more than just like old dad strength. Mm -hmm. Like this guy, he can, Shano, yeah, he's not just the guy that can get the pickle jar he, open. He, he also, yeah, he also is <laughs> New Jersey, man. He play. he fights dirty like George Costanza. Oh. He would fight dirty. Beat your ass and then go get a nice uh, meal at the grease truck. That's, a, that's Saturday <laughs> night at Rutgers. <laughs> And he's like, I'm pissed off. I, yeah, it would have been a good fight, uh, but then they didn't fight. So it was really almost great. But uh, I blame no one because I blame everyone. And I just love Rutgers and Ohio State fans arguing who's classier. <laughs> this is Dan Wetzel's favorite moment in the pandemic was when Missouri and Florida brawled at halftime. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, that's oh, yeah. That's what we know when you're when you're turning on the TV and you see a fight. Think of Dan. That's that's I'm his highlight of the day, right there. So. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right. Speaking of what should have been a fight, but was not, Illinois rolls into Madison. The return of, uh, of Brett Bielema. Now with the Illinois, he had led, what did he, three Big Ten titles or something for Wisconsin or three trips to the playoff. I don't know what he did. Rose Bowl. Rose yeah, Bowl. Yeah, Rose Bowl. Huge coach up there. Yeah. couple Rose Bowls. 34-10 Illinois. Illinois is now four and one complete. As you've mentioned, Pat, I watched the end of that. I, uh, that Indiana game, they should have beat Indiana. They yep. should be five and zero, oh and one of the biggest stories in the country. Chase Brown. I mean, it's classic. It was just like classic Illinois, man. They just like uh, chase Brown, 25 carries 129 yards. And then Tommy DeVito rushes for three TDs. They get four rushing touchdowns, kick some field goals, get some things, get it done. And, uh, Defense is great. Graham Mertz can't do anything. Two picks. Illinois just beats it. Wisconsin, easy. So thoughts, Pat, on both. I mean, Bielema's here. He's uh, this bad. The uh, Big Ten West sucks. Uh, they could yeah. they could win this thing. They're and and I just think this is this might be the biggest game for him to be like, all right, recruits, it's going to happen here now. And and Wisconsin, which feasts off those west suburbs of Chicago and recruiting. Because I think they're 
geographically closer in Madison to, you know, to those places than, than Champaign, not by much, yeah. but thoughts on that. And then Paul Chris, but you know, this is not two and three, yeah. uh, and two in the conference, uh, alarm bells there. Yep. Yep. No, I thought thoughts on both. Uh, look, Balaam is getting it done and it's, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, that he's just got a formula and they're a little, this is a little bit different formula because they're a little bit better throwing the ball uh, than they have been, but it's still, it's physical football and he's got a great defensive coordinator. I mean, a rock star, I think in uh, Ryan Walters, who's going to be a head coach perhaps very soon. So he's put together a good staff and he's got guys playing his way and it didn't take him long to turn the ship. That's one of the impressive things where if you're seeing, you know, some of these guys like, that's ah, going to take a while. We got to get in our guys. Well, Bielema last year, they were five and seven and it was a good five and seven. They had some good wins. They beat Nebraska. They beat Penn State on the road. And now, yeah, I think they can win the, the Big Ten West. And here's the interesting thing on the other side of the equation, not just with Wisconsin, but Iowa and Northwestern. The Big Ten West sucks, and one of the biggest reasons it sucks is because the guys who are the institution coaches that you could never imagine leaving their schools aren't doing very well right now. Pat Fitzgerald, we talked about him and his loyalty to Northwestern and Northwestern's loyalty back. Uh, Paul Christ, this is year two, four, six, eight, his eighth year at, uh, at Wisconsin, and before that he was an assistant, and he was, you know, he's from Madison. Like, it's hard to imagine anything fitting better than Paul Christ in that boring sweatshirt the on sweatshirt. the sideline there. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The sweatshirt. And, and then Kirk Ferentz at Iowa and his son, who they were, they were, there were chants of fire Brian at Kinnick Stadium yesterday. I was there for the, the, the latest offensive disaster from them. But that's what's going on in the Big Ten West is the guys that you could count on are not doing a very good job right now with their programs. Man, you look at Illinois, gosh, they could uh, very well be undefeated. Uh, that Indiana game, remember, uh, Indiana scored late in the final seconds to 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 win that game. And, uh, man, they just uh, right there. And, and some big some big, uh, big games coming up uh, for the Illini, right? They host the back-to-back home games against Iowa and, and Minnesota and as we've seen, right, those are those are two winnable games. Purdue beat Minnesota this past weekend, so it can be done. And uh, as as uh, Pat just alluded to, Iowa's offense still stinks. So winnable games. Uh, gosh, could Illinois or could Illinois go to uh, travel to Nebraska October 29th at uh, six and one? And that would be exciting for the Illini. Yeah, they are they're rolling. That's that's it, it's quicker than I thought. But yeah, Bielema, you know, I know it never got going really at Arkansas, but he wasn't, they weren't that bad. No, they had some good oh, they years. Had a they had some good, good years. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were never that. It's not like it just was like a total failure. It just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't really working, but it wasn't, it wasn't one of these like, yeah, we're two and two and 10 and we got, you know, there's dysfunction. He just runs a good program and, and, I, I've always said Illinois to me is the most underachieving athletic department, but certainly football. I mean, they're never good. They're they're in what are the fourth, fifth biggest state in the country, you know, and and it's two hours from Chicago, two hours from St. Louis, two hours from Indianapolis. Like, there's just 
there's just no reason to never be good. Right. And they're just never good. And now they're good. And and this man, if they can get Brett Bielema, I'll get that thing cranking a little bit where they're just that, you know, occasionally make the big 10 championship game or, you know, just be a tough out. I, I think there's a fan base that's dying to, to, to do this. No and, doubt. Uh, they, they're, they're sleeping, but they should start showing up now. Mm-hmm. All right. Friday night program coach. We always kind of criticize, uh, cause it's never quite gotten going out there. UCLA, Chip Kelly handed it, handed it to, to Washington, uh, who was up to 15th. Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, DTR, their quarterback, huge game, playing really well. He's been around for a while. Um, thoughts on the Bruins after this weekend, Pat, you watch that game? Uh, yeah, some of that, I, I, I mean, super impressive win. You know, I know that they were, they were trying to get people to come to the stadium. It was 6.30 start on a Friday and L.A. traffic and yada, yada, yada. You know, that's just part of the, that fan base and the struggle that, that they have to, to kind of build uh, at least an, a fan atmosphere at the Rose Bowl. But holy moly, they showed up and they – I mean, the team showed up and played fantastic. That was a great performance. And, yeah, DTR is playing great. They do seem to have it going. They were very, very close to losing to South Alabama. Probably should have lost to South Alabama, but they didn't. And since then, they've trampled two uh, Pac-12 opponents. And you I mean, start Co- looking down Colorado, the road here. Colorado is one of them. Colorado's so horrible. That, yeah. Colorado's the worst yeah, yeah. Power Fives team. The state of Colorado but, is worse than the state well, of Massachusetts in football. Ugly. It's hard to believe, but it's true, except for Air Force, baby. Uh, I forgot about them. Okay. Colorado Springs represent. They, they belong all to all of us. <laughs> but the next two weeks will tell us everything about UCLA. Yeah. Now, the next two games, I'm sorry, they have a bye week in there, but it's their Utah. They have Utah coming to the Rose Bowl Saturday and then on an off week, and then they're at Oregon. And if they're still uh, undefeated then, then we really got something. Yeah. It was a week non-con schedule. Yeah. my uh, but, That was my, my uh, small sample. Guy DTR for sure. He played really well. His hurdle was incredible. Y'all see the hurdle? He hurdled a guy, and it was like the most beautiful hurdle that I've seen. I think on a football field, it was like perfect form. You know, son of a track coach. You know, perfect. I can see the perfect hurdle, and it was beautiful. It brought the knee up, and so awesome. <laughs> Responsible for like three hundred fifty yards and four touchdowns, and. DTR rolling, man. It's hard to believe that he's still in college. God, it feels like he's twenty eight. I know. Been a while. He uh he said after that like he reads he's not oblivious to all the people yeah. who, you know, hit him, send yeah. him messages on Instagram and, and social media, and it hurts. He admitted it hurts. Mm. And uh yeah. I hate that, you know. And yeah. so I'm glad to see a guy have his moment and kind of be like, Yeah, I remember all that stuff. All right, Ross, state of Mass, uh, state of Massachusetts, state of Mississippi. Big weekend. You were down there. You went to the SIP. Come to the SIP. Ross come went to the to SIP. The, <laughs> went to the SIP. Uh, yes. Went to the SIP. Uh, first off, Mississippi State, 42-24 over Texas A&M, who's got to be one of the most disappointing teams in the country. Mm. It's they're so disappointing that that result is almost not even disappointing. <laughs> I'm just like I was like early on I'm like oh Mississippi my State's lock of the week yeah. my lock of the week the Bulldogs yeah. easily got me to uh got it locked up there yeah I, I was how do we do it our locks of the week do we hit them all I hit I hit again I hit I, mine no uh Sean Sean was let down by Oregon State oh, 
All right, all right. The parlay. But the, th- the other three of us, we all nailed it. Yeah. I, I, hit, I hit again on my Maryland, Michigan State's bad, yes, bad yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they're, um, bad, they're, yeah. They're, they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, but yeah. Mississippi, uh, and then Mississippi beats uh, Kentucky in a, in, a, in a really exciting game early and a big thing. Did the fans show up they and early up. and stay, or were they, they, do, they drinking too no. much? They showed up. Now they were a little bit late arriving. It was eleven a.m. kickoff. Let me tell you, I was yeah. in the I was in the square on Friday night, and knowing I bet you were, <laughs> thank you, yes, <laughs> and knowing that that you know it's an eleven a.m. kick, it didn't seem like no, anybody cared. They were they were out in force. They were out. Maybe they maybe they did care because they were out early. There was a couple bars we went to, and it was one in one out. They were limiting. They were limiting entry because of the fire code at seven p.m. Seven p.m. They were limiting entry because of the fire code. There were people everywhere spilling down the alleys, down the streets. But you know what? They showed up. They they got up. Uh, must have had a little Red Bull, get a little spiked coffee, and um, they were all in the Grove. The the walk, the Rebel Walk, was pretty incredible. And then they showed up to the game. Maybe a couple minutes in after kickoff, there were it was it was finally finally filled up. But Lane Kiffin was happy, and they were they were rocking and rolling, and and um, you know they they I think Lane Kiffin said this afterward. Uh, they they influenced the game. There were there were times in the game where you felt like the crowd probably did influence the game, and so it was a happy Lane Kiffin afterward. And not only that, but it was big weekend in Oxford. It was a, a, a heck of a twenty four hours. I showed up early Friday to attend a uh, an announcement that uh, that was on on campus it was about an NIL collective uh, that some of the Ole Miss boosters were start, started so I'll walk into this room for the announcement there is obviously five to ten of the school's biggest boosters there about two dozen athletes every head coach of every team on campus the athletic director several athletic administrators a backdrop with the logo of the new collective. They had this hour long celebration announcement uh, about basically about paying players, right? Uh, Paying players more, getting organized. It was a uh, kind of a jarring scene of the new world of college sports. And then of course, a day later, they win a big home uh, game against top 10 team. So all is right in the world for Lane Kiffin right now. The Lane trains a humming. This was not the first time that the rich old Miss boosters got together for a meeting about paying players. It's just the first <laughs> time they invited. <laughs> like, right, wait, we can do this it, on Dan. campus you now. Said it. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> we do it on campus we now. Do the it coaches in the room that the university provides. Yeah. It's usually in a back back room of a poker <laughs> shanty and uh, uh, over in the I, Delta. I did have somebody All from right. Ole Miss come up to me, knowing how much they knew how much you know I had followed and covered NIL the last couple years. And they came up to me after this news conference on campus with all these athletic administrators, coaches, athletes, boosters all together. And they came up to me and said, hey, uh, just making sure any red flags here. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't see anything. No flags at I'm all. I'm not the compliance no, director. No, we're yeah. all good. No, but we're, you know, a few schools have done that. Iowa actually has held something like that this over the summer. Hell it's yeah. going to be happening more and more it, where you get everybody together. If your state law, the only reason they were able to do is because Mississippi state law changed where you can communicate with third parties, basically communicate with collectives. So it's pretty much legal. Their old recruiting strategy was having Sandra Bullock uh, adopt uh, offensive linemen. So this is, <laughs> this is. <laughs> 
when that fa- you know that was it's just it's a hard one that's hard there's only so much you can do on that uh it'll, it'll work a little but does it you know um pat thought on the sip and on bulldogs beating texas a&m and how sorry yep. how sad is a texas a&m fan right now oh well i mean we'll get to that talk about mississippi we're about yeah, positivity that, here that's right up with people uh the you know the yeah, great day for the sip uh, for the Bulldogs and for the Rebels, and just goes, I mean, the SEC West is just a grinder. I mean, it's unbelievable, the the no easy out uh, in in that division. You know, I mean, heck, Auburn, who, who, who may be the worst team in the division, darn near had LSU knocked out on their feet early. It was 17 to nothing there before LSU uh, rallied. Noted earlier that, you know, Arkansas had its comeback uh, and, and had Alabama at least nervous. Maybe A&M's the worst team in the division. I don't know. But it, it's, it is, as usual, really deep. And I, you know, the, the, Mississippi, the fans of both those programs, Mississippi and Mississippi State, care so deeply that it's, they are up against it to a degree in terms of the population of the state. And they don't have it, some of the necessary advantages, maybe, that the other ones do, although they, they, they got a lot of good players in those states. But start paying but to them. have them both playing well at the same time, that's why they went and got Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach at the same time. They, they got good coaches, and we're seeing the product. Old Miss has got uh, – they're at Vandy. They get Auburn LSU at home and at A&M. Now, they're at LSU. Okay. At LSU, I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. They, LSU, I think it, it's better than it's going to be fine. They could That's go to LSU at seven and one, though, for sure. Or they seven go and to oh. seven and one. Yeah. Well, look, and, and Auburn is going to keep losing. I know they want to fire Brian Harson. I know they're going to fire Brian Harson, but he's not doing that bad of a job, right? It's like okay, like that was a tough game, whatever. But they could go. They go to LSU at seven and one. Then they got A and M after. We don't know what A and M. They could be. Forget seven and one. They could be seven and zero. Oh yes, at seven LSU. And oh. At LSU, right. seven yeah. and zero. Oh, they could be. They could be nine and zero oh against hosting Alabama on November twelfth, which might be the biggest game in the Grove. I mean, they had that big Egg Bowl a few years ago. I went to, but like holy four, cow! Yeah, like this is, yeah. I mean, they end with Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi. I don't know. There's it is a meat grinder, but there is a little path here for Ole Miss. That is nice. And it's, hey, the 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 nil stuff up here, the the whole announcement was well timed. Uh, we're we're heading into the silly season uh, for a second straight year. Lane Kiffin's gonna probably have, you know yeah. win eight, nine, ten games and be on the market. And he has been vocal, publicly, privately, whatever, about the struggles in nil in collaborative collectives up here, and so. It's a big thing for him. I remember sitting in his office in April, him complaining about it, frustrated about it, and him saying, watch the next determining factor for head coaches moving jobs is how big is your NIL collective. And so I think this is pretty well timed by the Rebels to to get ahead of that and, um, and make Lane very happy. Well, I think you look at, like, if you look before people, why do you choose jobs? You choose them because proximity, how well can you recruit at the school? And facilities. Like you always, you know, these coaches would always say, oh, the facilities here are incredible. We can recruit this area. Instead of spending the money on the facilities, they're spending the money on the players. Yep. So those five or whatever huge boosters that were doling in for players, 
They would have had that meeting and said, hey, we're going to build another, even a bigger weight room. We're going to have three more racks than the Mississippi State and uh, more Mm -hmm. square footage and all this stuff. And it's now it's like, hey, let's just buy the players. That's right. And somebody at Ole Miss said that to me. He said, I don't remember who it was, but he said, this is the new facilities arms arms race like yeah. this is the new one and some teams still are building facilities but you could tell that that is probably going to slow here well i but like i like you know like texas tech uh announced like a 200 million dollar facility upgrade and that's great and i'm sure it's gonna be unbelievable but did they sat there and said we're gonna spend 200 million in the next uh x number of years on uh, uh on players you'd be like holy cow texas right. tech's gonna get players yeah and so yeah, but it's like, why do we need all these facilities? So Ole Miss has got nice facilities. They got good enough. Every one of these college programs have better facilities than the pros. Yep. I say, yeah. pa- Patriots oh. have a bubble. Oh, Georgia. One locker room, a bubble, football. and a field out back. That's it. I, I toured Georgia's new football facility back in the spring. I, I've i never been yet in a football facility that looks like that. And I remember walking into Kirby Smart's office afterward, and I was like, that's that's better than every single NFL you know, facility. And he said, yeah, well, that's what happens when, you know, we, we can't, we're not allowed to pay player salaries. We pump it into facilities. Of course, now they're allowed to kind of pay player salaries. Yeah. So it's going to change, but this paying should help them, you know, Ole Miss that they were always their best when they were paying. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever, man, whatever. All right. One more that Pat you were at is uh Michigan beating Iowa. Michigan's played, you know, not not the strongest schedule early, but now two quality wins. They beat Maryland, who's four and one, uh, and then they they survived Iowa City again. We're not going to crown anyone over that, but a lot of teams have gone in there and lost. Thoughts on Michigan as they start kind of really ramping up ramping up the season for them finally. Yeah, I, I it was impressive. Uh, the things that the, the key elements there. First of all, they hadn't played a road game yet, and sometimes like a Washington that hadn't left. You, you, you go leave home for the first time. You go play a, a league game and you get your teeth kicked in. Uh-uh. Uh, Kinnick Stadium has been a graveyard for top five teams, five of the last six, uh, including a Harbaugh coach Michigan team, have lost there. Uh, and, yeah, Iowa just has a way of making things difficult for you. But they went in and absolutely punched them in the face. I mean, they, they took the opening drive 75 yards for a touchdown, and it was really a methodical victory after that. And the, there, there's a an attitude, a confidence uh, flowing out of the Michigan team that is uh, tangible, I think you would say. They came out, they were waving pink towels before the game, uh, kind of an acknowledgement of the, the pink visiting locker room uh-huh. they've got there at Iowa. And... Uh, that defensive lineman Mike Morris, who's a good quote, he said, "We want to we wanted to embrace everything they threw at us. <laughs> they have a pink locker room, thinking it's going to be some kind of adversity. We love the hate. We love everything about it. All we have to do is nut up and put on our big boy pants. We Ooh. did that. Yeah, they nutted up. They wore their big boy pants and they blew out Iowa to remain undefeated. It's hard to know, but uh, they go to they go to Indiana and then they have a big home game against Penn State, but." I, I don't think Michigan is fourth. I don't think it. I don't think it's proven to be the fourth best team in the country. But um, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. And that that Penn State game kind of looming. That'll be a huge game for Penn State uh, as well. 
All right, we have all sorts of crazy stories. We got too much football today, so we're going to get to that later in the week. But this is a we have to get to this because this is an emergency. Uh, yeah. As you guys, as everyone knows, we're big fans of uh, Pusha T, uh, oh, yeah. the, the hip hop star who has been uh, doing McDonald's diss tracks. He did the filet fish diss, and then he did the rib roast of the McRib. We've played him on here. We're big fans. Um, some Pusha T fans alerted us to this story. Um, he had a concert in in St. Louis, and a guy uh, said uh, tweeted to him uh, pu- at Pusha T, "I lost my prosthetic leg at your St. Louis show." <laughs> Mitchell, uh, ND Live, I lost my prosthetic leg at your St. Louis show. Still had fun though. Still had fun though. Now, a couple things. Pusha went immediately out. I mean, first off, I don't know how you have fun when you, you're missing the leg. I don't know how you lose a leg. I'm not that familiar with uh, prosthetics. Pusha T said, we got to find that, man. If you are at the St. Louis show and know where my guy's prosthetic leg is, please hand it over. So this is an emergency because Mitchell does not have his leg. Oh, my um, God. So if you are at the St. Louis show of Pusha T, uh, please tweet at us at, at Pusha T, what, at Mitchell. Whatever, get this man's leg. If you saw a man leaving the Pusha T concert carrying a prosthetic leg for reasons I would not know, why would you steal this? Um, please alert. This is poor Mitchell, right? But how good is Pusha T show where you enjoyed the show even though you lost your leg? <laughs> Ross? Clearly, the man can put yeah, on a hell show. of a show. Uh, hell of a show. <laughs> I mean, really. Still had fun, though. Yeah. (laughs) A blast. What? Yes. Wow. I got to get to one of these shows, huh? Jeez. It's a legend. Legend. Uh, So if anyone in St. Louis, see something with a kiss, be on alert. See something, say something. (laughs) Us here in Pusha T Nation. Got to help Mitchell. Help him get his leg back. Right. All right, we uh, we don't wait to the end of the year to hand out the Heisman. We hand it out week to week. We don't give out one award at the end of the year. We give it out week to week. It's the Small Sample Heisman on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Pat, who is your Small Sample Heisman going to? Yeah, I'm pulling an audible since I, we talked about Max Duggan before. I was going to do Max Duggan, but uh, let's spread the love a little bit more widely. And let's go to our friend Michael Benson, the uh, president at Coastal Carolina. Let's yep. go to his school, the Chanticleers. Valid, va- uh, loyal listener. Yes. 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 He's, uh, he's usually on his walk on the beach. Very, very good friend That's of the right. show. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hope he has the stamina to stay with us till the 54th minute of this show because I'm giving my small sample Heisman to Coastal Carolina running back C.J. Beasley. Did you see the play he made to win the game against Georgia Southern? Incredible. There is less than a minute to play. They're driving. Handoff up the middle to Beasley. He breaks into the secondary, hurdles a safety at like the eight-yard line, stays on his feet, and runs in for the winning touchdown. It was unbelievable play to win the game, and Coastal Carolina still undefeated. Go Shants. Well, we've already talked about him a little bit, but, but DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson of, of UCLA, responsible for 350 yards of offense, I think uh, three or four touchdowns, uh, got the Bruins undefeated. Uh, as we said earlier, it feels like he's been in college since the 
since World War II, but uh, it's been uh, it's been a long road, and I, and, you know, feel like he's a good example of why sometimes it's not, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. I think he probably had opportunities to to leave, and he decided to stay, and now, lo and behold, here he is leading the uh, the undefeated Bruins and in hurdling guys in impressive fashion. So we'll see if the Bruins, as we discussed, are real the next two or three weeks. I've given my small sample Heisman to Jadarian Taylor, defensive end for UTEP, the UTEP Miners. We saw the game. Two things about this game. One, UTEP has been playing football since 1916. Their victory over Charlotte is the first time they've ever won a game in the Eastern time zone. I did see that. I love that stat. Weird facts. <laughs> just weird. I don't know how many times they played in the Eastern time. I had to figure they just play out, you know, but still, it's 106 years. The time zone's been there. A lot of schools in the Eastern time. UTEP gets their first win in the Eastern time zone, and part of it was because Jadarian Taylor, big man touchdown, not just a big man touchdown, he scoop and scores from a hundred yards. He it's a goal line play. Charlotte's going in. They fumble the ball. Jadarian picks it up, and you've got to see this man run. I hope he gets the NFL combine just so we can watch this. He his first forty yards was like Usain Bolt. Yeah, he was fast, and he kept he it up all the way. Like I, if I'm an NFL general manager, I, he's already. I don't know what is. I don't know whether he's a. Uh, a pro he had a bunch of sad I mean, he's a good player so maybe he's a draft pick i hope he is but i he is on my radar just watching a man that large move that fast absolutely crazy a 100 yard scoop and score to to uh, be the differing points in your school's first win in a 106 years in a time zone a stat <laughs> i didn't even know existed <laughs> and good for the utep sid department who actually like <laughs> Look that yeah, fact up. That, yeah, that's a hell of a note. <laughs> a hell of a note. So good job, Jadarian. You win my small sample, Heisman. Go Miners. All right. We've said a lot of mean things on the pod. Can we say something nice? Ross, you got anything nice to say? I never thought this season that I'd be saying something nice about this program, one of the worst in uh, in the Power Five. But the Ramblin' Wreck uh, fired their coach, a week before, go to Pitt, win the first road game against an AP-ranked team in six years after firing their coach. Give it up for Brent Key, uh, interim coach at Georgia Tech, former uh, offensive lineman there, got the guys together, won at Pitt, uh, really impressive. Now, it wasn't, wasn't the prettiest uh, win, but it was a win. They relied on the ground game a lot. Hassan Hall had like over 100 yards of of rushing and uh look at that maybe uh maybe brent key's got a a shot to keep the wreck rolling and although it probably seems like a long shot win that uh win that full-time job yeah that was a that was an impressive turnaround there uh, we've seen some teams come out after their coach gets fired and absolutely laid an egg and that was not them so i brought that up as a possible like if you think they're gonna just dog it yeah. Like that, yeah, usually they don't, they never cover, let alone win. Also, uh, also, good Lord, the uh, pit in the ACC Coastal. Oh, man, the ACC oh. Coastal is ACC Coastaling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. 
All right, I'm going to say something nice about the Big 12 in, in toto because how many times do we hear fans say, oh, nothing ever really changes in college football. It's the same team, same old, same old. It's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Ohio State, it's Clemson, you know, in those leagues. Well, not in the Big 12, baby. Right now, the teams that have not lost a league game are Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Among the three teams that are winless in the league, Oklahoma. Texas is one of the teams with two losses. Uh, It has been totally flipped from the normal script, and I love it. I think it's great that you can have this sort of upheaval when it's the October 8th is Red River, Texas and Oklahoma, and it is not the biggest game in the Big 12. That is TCU, Kansas then you know it's been a wild season. And I am here for all the wildness. I've enjoyed every bit of it so far. I hope there's more to come. Bring it on, Big 12. I'm going to say something nice about something I've been saying lots of mean things about, and that is college football in New England, okay? Now, we're not going to talk about UMass because they blew a 13-point lead in Eastern Michigan. But (laughs) the Holy Cross Crusaders have been hyping are 5-0 now. I think they beat Harvard. Yeah. More importantly, Phil Jerkovic, and Zay Flowers combine to beat Louisville on Saturday, give Boston College its first FBS victory, 34-33. They had decimated on the offensive line. Um, they got all sorts of problems. Uh, Jerkovic, the Notre Dame transfer, 18-21 passing, 304 yards, three touchdowns, including two of them to Flowers, two long ones, a 57 and a 69-yard. Nice catch there uh, deal. Uh, Boston College wins. UConn gets Fresno, you see, uh, the moment that Jim Mora Jr. gets to play someone from California, where Tupac Shakur was from, and he supposedly (laughs) may or may not know who killed Tupac, look what happens. They beat Fresno. They get their first FBS win. Big happenings up in New England. Uh, This is probably the last time. BC hosts Clemson next week. Uh, I will probably not be saying anything nice after that game. But let's take our moment in the sun. All of us in New England football, uh, there was something happened. How about how about you mentioned Holy Cross, uh, Dan, the Crusaders five and zero. Bob Chesney, the coach, he's pro. I, I want to say that he is on some radars in the FBS. He has just tore it up at multiple small colleges. Came from Assumption, I think it's a sixth year, fifth or sixth year at Holy Cross, following a ten and three year. Right now they're five and zero and just knocked off Harvard. So be on the lookout. Uh, maybe the next uh, Lance Leopold, maybe the next yeah. uh, Dave Clawson, you know? Well, yeah, and it's like roll your eyes because it's like Holy Cross just beat Harvard. They don't have scholarships. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, like it's not like, well, I got it going. And I, the school's got, I don't know how many kids, a few thousand kids. Like it's it's a small <laughs> Jesuit Catholic school in Worcester, Mass. with no scholarships. If you're winning, it isn't because you loaded up on recruits. It's 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 because your coach knows what he's doing. So yeah, three thousand enrollment, uh, three thousand, three thousand. So fifteen hundred wow. at most boys, men, and none of them are getting a scholarship. Um, yeah, so you beat Harvard, sure, but it's uh, you know if you're beating anybody at a place like that, coach is good. That's a that's a real sign. So yeah, we'll see. Big happenings in New England this week. All right, that is our show. Uh, we appreciate everyone who uh, uh, continues to listen, subscribe. Social. I, I met up with a couple guys over the weekend. They said they got a friend to listen. See, double. If everyone gets a friend, you have a friend. If you don't have a friend, we're your friend. But if you have a friend, get them to listen. 
We double our double our listenership. Everything's good. Continue to subscribe. We're back Tuesday. We have all that. And yes, we will get to the fishing scandal. We will yes. get to the fishing scandal. Okay. Have Don't no think fear. we are not. We just there's too much football today. And I got another specialty. I got some good stuff for Tuesday. Oh, man. <laughs> good enough. stuff. We might need to emerge. I mean, we could almost emergency pod. Just the nonsense. Thursday. So. We're, we're going large. Tuesday. Buckle up. It's going to be a long one on Tuesday. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you 